2: welcome to islanders anxiety from lighthouse hockey and the fans first sports network my name is dan saracini joining me on this monday afternoon by Zencaster is my friend michael lieboff and mike if the season ended today the islanders would be in the playoffs so there you go the perfect record of one and zero after beating the buffalo sabers on saturday night in a game that had some good stuff so maybe not so good stuff but i mean you can't can't argue with two points opening the season uh with that and uh yeah I think we're all in a pretty good mood over the weekend after uh that game on Saturday
1: yeah great mood
2: um that is a win we have seen
1: <laughs> seemingly five hundred times mm-hmm. since uh 2018 opening night I guess and it doesn't get old <laughs> the islanders just they have so many guys they can turn to in that exact game mm-hmm. when it's you know tight not a lot of room uh good Good opponent. One mistake is probably gonna decide who wins or loses. uh The Islanders end up getting the lead, and with like three minutes left, I was just thinking, okay, like in my own head, who who's gonna who who are we just gonna see keep pop, popping over the bench? Because uh, you know a lot of teams like they shorten the bench at that point, and for the Islanders, it's almost there's like two guys that they they won't you won't see for the rest of the night because mm. you could trust. Basically, everybody on this team, and, and I tr- I trust them all, uh, <laughs> e- even new, newish comers, Pierre Engvall, my friend told me an amazing stat, oh. speaking of newcomers, uh, that was the first time since 1987 that the Islanders played a home opener or a season opener where no player was making their Islander debut. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big big win for the run. they're running a back crowd, I suppose, yeah. As opposed yeah. To- yeah the, the the run it back leaps i'll show yeah. you run it back man um, you want to see run it back right. go calculate how many times anders lee and brock nelson have played hockey games together yeah. <laughs> um go see how many coffees they've seen each other drink in their lives uh but that that last three or four minutes i i kind of feel bad i ended up buying a single to the game and sat in 320 and i sat next to a really nice guy and i kind of ended up feeling bad i was like that guy probably thinks i'm I'm nuts. I mean, I am nuts. So like, he's right, but, uh, but I'm, you know, sweating it out. And, and I, at one point there's like 90 seconds left on the, on the clock. And I just like blurted out, Jesus fuck. Like how, how am I going to get through another 82 games of this? I'm dying here. Right. And he just like looked at me and laughed. Was yeah, he as, a Sabres was, like, fan? Is no, he why? was an Islanders fan uh- <laughs> and he's a great guy. And, and, but I just kind of lost where I was for a moment and mm. kind of had a little mini episode where I was coming to grips with the fact that this game just wore me down to my bones (laughs) and it was game one right because i had put in my head that they need to win this game to to make sure that tuesday night isn't a must win (laughs) because otherwise we're staring at an 0-4 start and i get that all in my head and um i guess i let that all out at that moment Mm. when it it looked like the islanders were at least going to get a point out of a game that I was terrified they were going to get zero out of, but all in all, uh, it was a great time. Uh, My apologies to that gentleman uh, for, (laughs) for doing that. And, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I have no
2: concerns really about that game at all. Mm. Uh, Before we dive into the specifics of the game, reminder that we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash Islanders anxiety. Plans start as low as two bucks a month, and you can get ad-free episodes of this show, plus bonus podcasts, written posts, discount codes, and you never know what else pops up. So sign up today, patreon.com slash Islanders Anxiety. Tons of stuff coming out all the time. Uh, yeah, I agree in the sense that it did feel like an Islanders game we've seen a lot. Uh, but that's because the first period was great. They really you know, came out and really sort of established themselves against this very young Sabres team we'll talk a lot about in a few minutes and came out with a two nothing lead nelson had a great wrister to start things off and then Palmieri got credit although first it was to nelson then Palmieri got credit for this sort of bouncing seeing eye puck that found its way behind devon levi who was making i guess his second uh start they dominated shots they dominated face-offs and it looked great and then the second period was not as good uh they kind of uh I don't know everybody's controllers disconnected at one point <laughs> and uh, everybody was kind of just running around and, and it led to a Jordan Greenway goal. Kind of he drag, you know, drag, He got loose, sort of toe dragged it and and beat Sorokin. But I mean, it, before that happened, just about everybody else kind of fell down on the ice and just completely forgot where they were. Uh, Buffalo ended up taking the lead in shots at that point. And then start the third puck squeaks through Noah Dobson's legs. We'll talk about him again in a second too. Uh, goes to Casey Middlestat, who gets his backhander, ties the game. But then from that point out, it was really mostly Isles. And then uh, Barzell and Bo Horvat had great games. I, I got a whole thing with Barzell, uh, uh, Horvat in a second. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, Casey Sizikas tipped Adam Pellick's shot in for the game winning goal. They did challenge for not high sticking, but offsides, which failed. <laughs> I don't know if they had a, maybe a case for a high stick, but uh, definitely wasn't offsides. I don't know what they were looking at. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit weird. Adam Pellick took a weird penalty late in the. He looked just as confused as we were. I don't even know if they ever showed it on on yeah. a replay or anything. It was very weird. And especially
1: um, because the Sabers had just committed two very blatant. Oh my uh, god! Like that non-fall. interference. That wasn't yeah, called. That, that, <laughs> that looked like one of those penalties that, like, is at the end of a game where yeah. like a guy's just like, "Shit, he's gonna score in the empty net. I just gotta yeah. do whatever." Right. And, and I think whoever the Saber was, it I think it held up Pajot yeah um whoever that savior was looked at the ref because i yeah i thought he thought he was like oh i'm taking a good penalty like uh right well, I,
2: he, I gotta take this penalty And he just then, stood there nobody yeah, nobody just, raised,
1: raised their head
2: yeah and he then, stood there while Peugeot just ran into him and fell yeah. down and it's like if an islander did that they would have gotten five in a game you know like uh, what the hell anyway uh very strange but yeah yeah exactly that was right before pellet's pen right. butch even said like Well, you know, to call that penalty right here with, you know, whatever, 30 seconds left after not calling that penalty before is uh, that takes some uh, some gall there, Brendan. Uh, But uh, the Island Sabres really didn't get much after that. The Islanders more or less held on to the puck. So, you know, there was some good. uh, Again, the first period was great. Horvat was fantastic. He had he was six six shots on goal or maybe eight. I don't even know what it was. I thought Romanov was really, really good. Yep. Um, you know, Sorokin was as as good as he was. Uh Simon Holmstrom had a good game, although uh he did a had an ill-advised pass to Barzell, even though he he was the guy himself who had the best sh- shooting lane. Uh but uh overall I thought most most Islanders played well. Dobson was the only real kind of mm-hmm. sore thumb. Uh still playing as you described, like he's got his cell phone in his pocket. Uh <laughs> we we should say it was game one, right? So we don't want to make we don't want to get too crazy about it, we don't want to overreact. Uh, the power play went over for 2, which I've already seen people be like, oh, it's the same old power play. Uh, well, let's, all right, it is, but let's give it at least a couple of games. If they're, you know, still over for after like, you know, 8 or 10 games, then, you know, we could start getting mad about it. But uh, overall, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good performance. I think most guys, the third line needs some work, Pajot Lee, and for this game anyway, it was, um, who was the other guy on that line? Bashing fashion yes thank you uh so Julian gotier sat Oliver wallstrom sat so they have options there to move some stuff in but they were really the only line that that I didn't I test wise I thought they looked fine but stats wise they apparently didn't but uh yeah I mean I thought it was as far as season opening games go I thought for the most part they looked pretty good <laughs> uh you know comparatively speaking to the way they looked in the in the preseason which was mostly not very good uh so uh what was it like uh inside the game what was the feeling like I mean obviously yeah. you, you were torn up towards the end there but uh, I assume the energy was high and uh, people were were feeling pretty good.
1: Yeah, there's a a couple of things to get to. Uh, I first want to start by saying that yeah, the Islanders have two healthy scratches who can fill in for, sure. actually three that can can hop in and out of the lineup. And there are a lot of teams that are playing down a man <laughs> to start the season, and true. yet the Islanders are the the cap criminals of the NHL. Like, <laughs> I go go wrap your head around that one. Uh, then uh, so. In terms of the game, I thought that, uh, obviously, that second line uh, was just fabulous. And there, the first goal that hopped over Connor Clifton's stick, you, the puck was kind of bouncing and the Sabres were uh, yeah. in the zone, kind of had established some zone time. And when that puck started bouncing, you, I had a, a pretty good view of just uh, the, the whole ice up in, in the gods. And mm. just... I watched Nelson and and Engval kind of just begin to assume, okay, this puck's going to clip, bounce past him, and it it really just dawned on me at that point why these two work so well together is they're both kind of like sharks in the water, very <laughs> quiet. They they'll just stalk their prey. They they move so effortlessly. They're always moving, and out of nowhere they just pop out of the water and 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 eat. A surfer or something you know like this these are guys who <laughs> are dangerous like they're a scoring chance wow. uh, there there's a potential for a scoring chance with those two guys on the ice at any given moment uh, of a game like the, the islanders could be hemmed in their own zone because of angval's speed and nelson's yeah. ability to finish and yeah. uh he's just ho- incredibly
2: high hockey iq it uh, uh it reminds me of the eberly days When it was very similar, like they could get hemmed in their own zone, but all it would take would be one bounce over somebody's stick and Barzell and Everly would go the other way. Yes. Yeah. That's that's actually, that's a great, great comparison. Like they,
1: yeah. Cause, and cause you have the, the guy who's, who's so good hounding pucks, who's going to create some pressure. And, and he's, that that was a really good, uh, just hot, heady hockey play by Engvall too, to, to know that Nelson was behind him to, and, and he made a good pass. And, on the second goal Angval was in alone uh in 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 the uh saber zone and the Islanders were in the midst of a change i think after another longest shift but he had one option and his only option in that um moment was he's got to get that puck to the net uh, and he ended up missing the net but he gets it he he advances it forward next thing you know bounces to Pollock, and there's chaos in front of the net so those were two really smart plays by Angval that end up turning a very innocuous situation into a goal uh which i think is why this that that line works so well because i mean Palmieri ends up getting credit for the second goal and i think he actually is uh worth talking about too because he's just going to be the guy that has so much gravity around him especially in front of the net wow. that for Angval and and nelson um who are more perimeter ish there's gonna be some some dust in front of the nets, like the Tasmanian devil kind of stuff, and <laughs> pucks will be bouncing around. And and there's Palmieri, so uh, that line was great. As for as for Horvat, uh, the guy like he came to the Islanders, and it's like he saw Casey Ezekis, and just was like, damn, that looks like so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I want to be that right. Uh, I and maybe I I wasn't as familiar with with like how he played when he was with uh Vancouver but he seems to be doing the right thing at the right time all the time and has also has the upside of being a, a really good offensive player. Uh so he was awesome. I think if if you were to give you know you're never going to give a star of a game to a player who doesn't end up on the score sheet but uh, at least for the most part, especially in a game with five goals in it. Um, for for my money, I thought Horvat was the best, and m- maybe not the best, but the most important player for the Islanders on opening night. He was so good in those last couple shifts. He took a penalty too that I don't think was a penalty at the end, um, but outside of that uh, mm. he he was so good um, just in, in every zone. He doesn't score. You're going to hear a lot of people in in the upper decks yelling that that he's not worth the contract and be like come on bo like can, you're never <laughs> gonna, he's never gonna score again he might not ever score again but he's <laughs> uh he, he he is so effective um and i thought that line was pretty good i'd like you said I, I and speaking of the like talking about the guy next to me probably thinking i'm Someone should have me committed. uh Dobson turned the puck over, I think, on his first shift, just like yeah. made a, a perfect <laughs> pass to Sabre from on behind his own net. And I was like, get your phone out of your pocket, bro. Mm. <laughs> and I yeah. uh, like, that, that is not English. Like, that's not something that other people are familiar with hearing. So uh, that guy's probably like, what is this guy talking about? But um he was yeah. a little, yeah, Dobson was a little sketchy. Uh, mm. I'm just, I just, yeah, he's, he's, he's he, that's the only thing I, I, I guess I said, I walked out of there thinking, I nothing to worry about. That's the only thing that's semi-close to my radar for for being worried about.
2: And and again, you know, it's game one. Like, I think he knows that, you know, things could have been better. I mean, nobody likes the puck to kind of, like, glide between their legs, leading to a game-tying goal. I mean, he knows – he saw that puck go. And and uh, Adam Pellick was also really not in great position on that goal either. So it wasn't just Dobson, you know, but – uh You know, he was kind of the guy who stuck out to me as being like the most sort of struggling. I know Mayfield and Ajo needed a little while to get going. But, uh, you know, he he kind of stuck out to me as being like, "Mm, I don't know. But maybe I'm kind of watching him closely because of after the last year, you know, he's kind of on the radar. But with Horvat, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, he didn't get on the score sheet, but. Certainly wasn't from a lack of trying because he was all over the place, particularly in the first period. I mean, they could have been up three, three or four nothing in the first yeah. period. Uh, and Bo had, he was the one who had the really first, really good uh, scoring opportunity. And uh, you can see the chemistry gaining between him, Barzell and Simon Holmstrom, again, who who had a good, good period himself. And I think he gets the assignment, like, you know, but at the same time, as much as his job is to facilitate things for the other guys, you know, if you've gotten a shot, you should take it. So I think that's the lesson. Even Barzell said something afterwards, like, yeah, he really should have taken it there. But uh the thing about Horvat, though, and they talked about this. This was a, a, in an article by Ethan Sears at The Post. I thought it was really interesting. Uh They talked to Bo before the game about, you know, the differences between playing for the Islanders and playing uh, for the Canucks. And basically, he just confirmed everything we've already known about the differences between playing in Vancouver and playing on Long Island uh, forever. He said, I think everybody's just so tight knit here. Um, They've been together forever. It's like a little family here away from the rink at the rink. It's fun to be a part of it. They've made it an easy transition for me to get to know everybody. I'm lucky to be here and I'm happy to be here for another eight years. Uh, Then they talked to Barzell, who's not just his teammate, but a guy who's from Vancouver and you know what it's like to play out there. And Barzell said, it's really the only show in town. You know, the, you have the, BC Lions, but the Canucks are just the talk of town. Everybody, that's the big thing. And he's like, This is New York. You know, yeah, sure, we have Long Island, but that's just Canada. The media is elevated. It's just a lot of chatter about it. You've got eight sports teams in here in New York. I wouldn't change that. It's the best, you know. So he just likes being able to kind of disappear for a little while. And, um you know, basically, Bo said he had, there was a lot of weight on his shoulders being the captain. And here, he could just come do my job, play hockey, and have fun out there. And I was like, that's awesome, <laughs> you yeah, know. That's like that's supposed to be so liberating. I, I can't imagine. Like, and they even talked. Like, you know, you're you were the captain. Lee's the captain here, and he's like, no, Anders is a great job. He, you know, he's organizing everybody. He's everybody wants to play with him. He's a great guy. So I just I feel like you know we've talked about it all summer, and you know you know how it is. Like we we come up with these ideas that like, oh yeah, this is gonna work. This is gonna work. And a lot of times that stuff doesn't work. But the more I think about, here's Bo Horvat settling in on the island with these guys after that whirlwind year. I mean, there was a shitty year leading up to that trade. He gets traded across the country. They're in the middle of a playoff push. His line mate gets hurt. Like it's, it's a complete whirlwind, but now he's had a whole summer to buy a place, get into some sort of legal dispute because of that place. <laughs> this is, again, it's a very, a very long island thing to happen, but you know, I'm sure they've had organ. They've organized like outings. He's been to the golf tournament, like you know, all that kind of stuff. He's on the group chats and things. And gets really, into schools. Yeah, he gets into the schools. Exactly. So I feel like he he really is going to feel more comfortable now. And it's really going to help. And I think that's uh, that's a good thing. And I, You know, he certainly looked like, I don't know if relaxed is the word, but he definitely looked like a guy who knew the role, knew the assignment, knew what to look for. And I can only imagine that he and Barzell are only going to get yeah. better as it goes on. And Holmes probably too. Yeah. <laughs> At least for now. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I think.
1: Uh, I think what the difference between the Islanders and a lot of other professional but, sports teams, not just hockey teams in Canada, is uh that the Islanders stature and their status uh in the biggest city in the world, not just the biggest sports city in the world, but the fact that they are so low on the totem pole just allows you to be <laughs> a, a human being. Um yeah. and that pl- that just happens to play professional hockey. Uh and and I think that might be a shock to the senses for some of these guys, you know. Like, and and when you kind of look at some of the people who have left, uh I like they're the captain before Anders' league. I think kind of enjoys the other way around of of not being a human being much right. more than he appreciated. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the the human element of 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 this whole kind of weird hobby that everybody uh, who listens to this uh, enjoys, which is mm. watching other human beings who are very handsomely paid play hockey and (laughs) um and that's yeah that's that's the beauty of the islanders is that these guys like when i woke up this morning you know got i I had a coffee got isla situated uh when she's older i'll drop her off at school when bo horvat wakes up in the morning and then I go to work, and then when Bo Horvat wakes up in the morning, he probably has a cup of coffee, gets his kids to school, yeah. and then he goes to work, right? Like it's <laughs> exactly. it's just very it's it's we're it, and I know that's oversimplifying things here, but that's the difference. Whereas I think in Toronto, it's mm. you, you you think that these guys are dropping their kids off at school every day? No, because they can't because they will get there's a new athletic writers chris johnston waiting outside <laughs> with with a with a camera and and yeah. and, a, and a microphone right like mm. this is it's very different so um i think that's part of it and I, I i don't have enough nice things to say about horvat i also don't have uh enough nice things to say just about the whole experience of the game which so i was going when i was walking from my car it's about a 15 minute walk from where i park and I got to one of my favorite parts of UBS arena is right before you walk into the main entrance. This is like kind of little path that is right next to, uh, the Belmont kind of lawn area, the patio by the Belmont club over there. It's, uh, it's on the other side of it's, it's close to the Belmont hall, but it's, it's, it's like right next to the lawn that the, the paddock area for, for the actual racetrack. And, uh, it's, Right before it spits you out into uh the main entrance, and they had like a drum line playing, it's a little dri- uh, drizzle going, but there was just so much noise that was uh the drums playing some you know like Islanders, like Let's Go Islanders stuff mm. or whatever. Then there was uh a loudspeaker playing, I guess audio from just different highlights over the years, mm. I- and it was it was a real, and I mean this in a good way, like an attack on the senses. <laughs> I kind of felt like I was transported back to game 6 against the Lightning. It was very la- like loud and uh, I was kind of out of body experience walking in. Um and what what it made me think was just how far this team has gone come in, on so many levels of uh not just the team and who's in charge, but the actual game day experience. Yeah. From let's say 2007 when you know home opener 2007 there are people handing out tickets like hey like i got eight extras if you and your buddies want to (laughs) to go in and you know like that kind of stuff and there's barely a uh of like the only video they show before the game is is sparky on the the pirate ship Mm. and his pirate ship is bombing the florida panthers pirate ship and then (laughs) they announce the team there's mike sillinger drop the puck let's go um this was so well done and it, it was it yeah i i've i've said a bunch of times i don't particularly care for the fact that the islanders seem obsessed with the empire state building since the the new ownership came that in. is really weird it's yeah so strange uh but they did this like little video before of like somebody working at the montauk lighthouse lighting yeah. like putting an islander's light in the the lighthouse part of the lighthouse and another guy working at the observatory at the at the mm. Empire State Building, which I was like, even this isn't bothering me because it's just yeah. it's like well done, and I get what they're trying to say here. Um, mm. uh, but just it is so night and day, yeah, from where we were. Uh, and and there's some some beautiful things about what, like that kind of stuff back at the simplicity of 2007, just like showing up, going to a game, throwing some shit on the ice, and getting out of dodge, <laughs> right? Like there's some there is right. some some beauty in in that, and like the dirt baggery of it all, right. but uh.
2: This well, was you, know, it, you nice. know that ultimately it's there's more to it than that you know like yes right. definitely it was much easier to like you know pay twelve dollars for a ticket when you're in college and like show up and it's like you and a thousand other people you know but you know that there's more to it than this you know and, right. and they're they're inching towards that uh the Empire State Building thing I agree with you one hundred percent is weird if they flipped it for the Brooklyn Bridge I think they would probably get the same effect yeah. same iconic New York City location but now. You know, it's a little bit closer to the island, a little bit like, oh, yeah, we can just cross the bridge and we get over to UBS. So, uh, yeah, enough with the Empire State yeah. Building. Let, yeah, let the I other think guys if, if
1: they were like, if they were more uh, out front about it, oh, no, we're just like trolling the Rangers. We're trying to like, you <laughs> know, just like go get there, go. I'm like, all right, then, then right. go right ahead, go do it and go light up Madison Square Garden orange and blue for all I care. Like, go <laughs> go have it. it. But right. the fact that it's like, no, like that. Islanders, like when you think about the Empire State Building and the Islanders, right? It's the same thing. No, I don't think <laughs> nope. so, man. Uh, the big but, duck for that. Yeah, the yeah, big was... duck. That's that's <laughs> There was no big duck sighting. That's yeah. the one thing I can complain about. About uh, yeah, the yeah they need to incorporate the big duck. For but sure. but yeah, I mean it was it. Yeah, home opener is 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 a holiday on the Islanders, on like on any hockey team's calendar. Mm-hmm. And the Islanders used to just not. They, I mean, because they didn't have the budget to 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 <laughs> right. do it. Right Like it's Charles Charles Wong was basically the one holding the camera uh, right. for for these kind of videos. Um, so the the fact that that they are treating these kind of tentpole days on the calendar as giving them the the, the white glove treatment is 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 nice mm. and well appreciated, and, and it was really well done and fun and very
2: islanders outside of the Empire State Building too. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, we should take a moment to talk about the other New York team. The Buffalo Sabres, who, <laughs> as we heard from ESPN today, uh, have changed the culture in order to change their results. Well, their results right now show that they are 0-2 after losing to the Rangers and then the Islanders. Uh the I have no problem with the Sabres franchise. In fact, I, you know, like a lot of people, I think they're they're a pretty good team and you know they they should be good. And there's obviously they're captained by a favorite of ours, Kyle Poso, and the you know, they have a lot of talent and they're a fun team to watch. But uh there is something about losing to the Islanders that makes Sabres fans and media kind of lose their minds a little bit. We saw that last year with the whole Hudson fashion thing. We saw that on Saturday night, people claiming, you know, some kind of, you know, the the fix was in or something like that. And much like their frequent trade partners, the Minnesota wild, the Sabres seem to have this sort of air of superiority that is, 100% unearned (laughs) because they have accomplished exactly stugats as we might say in Brooklyn uh, over the last decade or so they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, if you look at this playoff streak starting in 2011, 2012, think about all of the things that have happened to the Islanders since 2012 and the Sabres have had the same exact thing happen to them, which is no playoffs whatsoever. Uh, So the Islanders have, have done quite a bit in that time span. And in fact, they have made the playoffs just four times since 2002. So again, we talk about that 2001, 2002 season for the Islanders all the time. The playoff, the Sabres missed the playoffs that season. They made it four more times between then and now, Uh, (laughs) which again, you know, is a lifetime for the Islanders. So uh, I don't know what it is about them. They have a good team. Maybe they will be good one day, but the way some people carry on about this Sabres team that has accomplished fuck all to be blunt (laughs) Uh is really, really surprising and a little bit irritating. You know, it's like, it's one thing if your team is good and they're, you know, knocking on the doorstep of a Stanley Cup, but like when you miss the playoffs for 11 years in a row and, and you know, some of these seasons have been epically bad and then you lose a game to the Islanders, it's not a conspiracy. Like, it's not, you know, the league, it, the, the NHL in league against your team because it's the Islanders. Like, why on earth would they want the Sabres to lose to the Islanders? It's just, it's absurd to me that, like, it's always... There's always these like, you know, single digit follower guys that are like crying on Twitter after they lose to to the Islanders. Dude, get a life. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> like just <laughs> wait your turn like everybody else, you know. And then and then when that happens, trust me, you'll get they they will get that big rub because, you know, the the people that get complaints that they talk about the Leafs too much are just dying to talk about the Sabres, you know, like they can't wait to get to to be like, "Look, see, we don't always talk about the Leafs. We're talking about the Sabres. Yeah, okay, fine. The, one team's in 10 miles in one direction. The other is 10 miles in another direction. But uh, so they will get that that shine at some point. But and you start out of season 0 and 2. And I don't know if that now is the time to talk about culture change and, and whatnot. So anyway, yep. I just it's that was kind of it's
1: uh, it's okay. fan fiction. Yes. Um, and, and that's this is the my chief complaint about the way hockey media has gone yep. the past few few years is that. All these people are writing about something that isn't happening. Right. <laughs> like you could just wait for it to happen or not rather than just spend all summer talking about this, the Sabres as if they're on where they're like at the starting gate of this epic quest right. to get back to the playoffs. <laughs> just like you did last year and the yeah. year before. Like this isn't the first time that this has happened too. Mm. Uh, and then they, yeah, they, they come out and they, they lose the first two games of the season. Uh, boomer boom had a had a good line on NHL radio uh last week talking about the Canucks saying that you know that there's very few teams in the NHL that need to win uh opening night their their first game you, you, there's 82 games you're going to be fine if you're at 1-1 mm. you know it's not a big deal but he's like the Canucks are one of the teams that just, they just need to do it because they've had such terrible starts the past two seasons. Right. And then he said the same thing about the Sabres <laughs> um, because all these people are kind of talking, have, have spent all summer talking about this team as if it's written in the stars that yeah. the the Sabres are going to uh, gate crash the Atlantic division and, and be this, this fun upstart team. It's every uh, you, you talked about pet teams last week and how you're just too old to have a pet team well i'll tell you what most members of the uh these the hockey media the mainstream hockey media are definitely not too old to have a pet team uh because it's all the sabers and then when they fall on their face uh it's not man i should have saw this coming it's well you know it's just that's what happens sometimes you just have a cursed season or whatever well they'll be they'll. this was just supposed to be year one of their contention window. Look at all these great seven, eight year deals that they've signed. Right. Um, yeah. Nobody, nobody's going to say stuff like that. It, and you, you barely heard a peep uh, about yeah. the Islanders performances. Like I said, that right. was a vintage <laughs> game. I mean, there was a a couple dump-ins that got cheered. There was a shift late in the game where the Islanders hemmed the puck in deep. Mm. The fourth line ends up getting a goal. <laughs> Cal Clutterbuck had a great game. Like that line yes, had a did. good game. I don't know yeah. what the numbers say, but they were good. Like I, I don't really, i I can't think of one moment where i was like god damn it can these guys just stop and (laughs) and usually when when they're not what going well that's all game um and oh speaking of contracts my another friend of mine uh who uh, eric Niedel, who did the chris simon episode of weird islanders (laughs) he said that he wished that the islanders announced everybody's contract uh along like when they were (laughs) number three adam pellick Six years, six point two million, just to piss everybody off further. Pierre Auger, seven year deal. Uh, uh, <laughs> that <laughs> would have been great. Oh god, so could good. you imagine? Oh god, I would have been so happy. Yeah, um,
2: that would have been amazing.
1: But uh, yeah, like these. All, can we just just wait? Like I don't yeah. understand why everyone in in hockey media has to establish i'm the sabers guy um yeah. these are my sabers no they're not like you're the Dallas stars beat writer man like you don't need to you don't need to Right. say like stuff like that they want to be the
2: first person to be like i was on this train before any of right. all of you well who cares who, who cares, cares? <laughs> cool cool tage thompson jersey bro like yeah I don't
1: care I don't right. care at all and and um let's wait till they win a game before writing the yeah culture change article <sighs> um and all that jazz and it um you know it's just it's it's a shame that the islanders are just kind of going to be glossed over here because it's there's some real beauty in the fact that they they put the sabers at O and two and they with their first win of the season because they are definitely the antithesis of of one another uh you know there were a lot of people who were like can't we just kick the islanders out of the playoffs and put the sabers in yeah last year exactly. cause the sabers were the fun hit team and the islanders right. were the islanders and look if the islanders make the playoffs again and the sabers don't there's going to be a lot of that again, and and I'm um that's stuff is that stuff is like mana to me. Like keep, mm. I'll I'll eat that for Thanksgiving. Um, mm. so yeah, there's a lot of there was really a lot of beauty in that opening night loss uh, for the Sabers <laughs> and, and the win for the Islanders on on a lot of different levels. And the ev- basically every player was great. Adam Pellick was so good against Thompson, mm. Sorokin, awesome. Wow. Um, yeah, Thompson had a very very quiet game. Very quiet. yeah, he did, and uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The, uh, the the Sabres stars, all the Sabres stars, had uh, didn't really show up. It was uh, <laughs> really nice to see, and and um, yeah, I thought, you know, just just top to bottom from the the Islanders players to the to the game ops to the their the beauty and the opponent that they they beat was it was really a nice night, and
2: it afforded us what are we sitting on like
1: seventy two hours yeah before
2: we have to worry about our next game. Yes. And we're going to talk about that and a couple of other topics on the other side. Uh, but I, I forgot something that I wanted to bring up. This was the Islanders' first season opener at home win in a season opener at home since 1995. And Jesus. this yeah. comes we, from. We a- did
1: talk about that, right? Like yeah.
2: it did feel that way. So we weren't yeah. just crazy. No, no, no. It was felt like a monumental thing. And, and this comes from Andrew Gross's Twitter where he talked to Casey Zizekas about it. And Casey, of course, is not only a very talented hockey player, he's also a philosopher and a wordsmith. And Suzekis' answer was, well, it's changed now. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Casey. Always, always does exactly the right thing to say. I, yep, those are some of now. my favorite uh, yeah. post-game scrum interactions
1: <laughs> to or, or, it. Like a, when a, a reporter digs up a stat like that that has very little... Right. Chance of of occupying any space in a player like Casey Zazikas' brain. Hey Casey, did you know that Scott Lechance scored the last game winner for the Islanders <laughs> at a season opening win at home? Who? Yeah. Nope? Yeah, yeah, exactly. know that, but anyway. Oh wait. Also, I got to mention. Yeah. Speaking of how great the, the game ops were, Ralph Ma- Ralph Machio was in the building. Yes, which is great. Some random producer, Peter Scamavino, Law and Order, uh, yeah, also yep, in the Law and Order guy. Yeah. Um, some guy named Sir. Some Sir. He had Sir in front of his name, so I'm assuming he's British. Um, and then uh the Islanders also had Wayne McBean. Yes, yeah, an alumnus. Uh, and then uh, John Bates, mm. Mariusz Trzaskowski, who looked unbelievable. yes he he like the dude. I don't. He might be the yeah. most handsome retired NHL player. He doesn't age. He looks exactly it's the same. Incredible. Yeah, it's he, yeah, he looks the same. Um. <laughs> And Aaron Asham and they showed Cherkowski and then Asham like very close uh mm. one whistle and then the next whistle. And I was really wondering if they these two guys know that they were traded for each other. <laughs> like, you know, like I know they ended up playing together a couple yeah. of years later when Cherkowski came back, but mm. uh just thought that was funny. But yeah, that was great seeing those guys. Yeah. Uh and another thing that the team is doing uh mm. really well. Is is realizing that you don't just need to show John Tanelli or Dennis Potvin mm. on the screen like like when uh, when guys like Tchaikovsky show up and mm. and Jan Denis it, it it it's important to give those guys their yeah. their time too because they uh, especially in the case of Denis yeah. they they <laughs> they played some through some dark times they showed
2: up to work <laughs> when it was not fun to show up to work. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, Tchaikovsky in particular was was all over my my timeline. So that was kind of cool to see. But I'm glad you reminded me about Macchio and Scanovino, because I do want to say if you guys listen to this podcast and want to come on Weird Islanders, the podcast, talk about a Weird Islander. Please email me. (laughs) Culture of losing at Gmail, please, because uh, I have a hard time getting people to return my emails. So now I'm coming to you. You could come to me, I should say. Uh, Please email me. If anybody knows how to get in touch with these people, tell them we'd love to have them on Weird Islanders because uh, they're they're the real McCoy, man. I was saying to my daughter the other day, Machio, he's OG. He goes all the way back, so it's nice to see. Okay, we got to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the upcoming schedule. We're going to talk about Ross Johnston, and we're going to debut a new old bit that we're going to try and work into some future episodes. So meet us on the other side.
0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: And now, a word from our sponsors. First is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, jerseys, mugs, and more featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor and the Island merch. And our portion of the sales always go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Use the code ANXIETY20 to save 20% off an order of two items. That is VintageIceHockey.com. Try wines from the Pinot Project. They offer a rosé, a Pinot Grigio, and a Pinot Noir that was named a 2022 Top 100 Best Buy by Wine Enthusiast Magazine. All are delicious, priced at less than $15 a bottle, and available at local wine shops and at UBS Arena. Learn more at thepinoproject.com. Please drink responsibly. So let's look real quick at the Islanders' schedule coming up. Uh, They have the Coyotes on Tuesday the 17th. They are playing the Rangers on Monday, tonight. So this is going to be a back-to-back for them. And then the Islanders face the Devils on the 20th on Friday. Those are both at home. And then on the 21st on Saturday, they are in Buffalo for a return match against the Sabres um we talked about it last week losing to Buffalo would have made this Coyotes game the most important game of the year losing that game would have made the game against the Devils the most important game of the year and so on and so forth so getting that one win is good having the Coyotes come in on a back-to-back is a little bit helpful for them although the Islanders have fallen on their faces sometimes in that situation I watched the Devils losing a shootout to the Coyotes the other day so the Coyotes can win games the Devils can lose games and then obviously we you know they're gonna we're going to go on a road trip and then they're going to play in Buffalo is a tough place to play, especially for your first road game. So, you know, this is, this is not an easy ride here, but it's definitely games that the Islanders can win or at least get points out of. And these points matter as much in October as they do in March. So what are you looking at these three games? What are your thoughts? uh, Aside from thank God they won on Saturday. So they don't have to make these games that much. And that's more important than they already are.
1: Yeah, I think that, um, First of all the, I think that here's a super specific prediction to make is Ooh. that the Coyotes uh, when the Sabers struggle and and are out of the playoff picture by like 11 points and come Christmas time all the Sabers fans or that that became Sabers fans in the past few years in the in the media circles are are just going to make the seamless transition to the Coyotes bandwagon because I think that the Coyotes <laughs> are good and and I'm I am rooting for them outside of uh their games with the Islanders because I have a, a large bet on their coach to be the jack adams winner um at, at a really big price so good luck to him and, and the coyotes outside of these games but um like you said the 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 win on on saturday night all of a sudden i go from god like they they got to win this game because they we could be staring at an own four start to right. wow like what if these guys come out 2001 2002 style and, and mm-hmm take care of the coyotes and all of a sudden you're two and oh and you got a back-to-back and 48 hours later mm. it, from that back-to-back starting you could be you know four and oh or three oh and one or something really interesting and um so with just one win uh and <laughs> to start to start a season really takes your mind uh places it takes me back to uh 2001 oh two and and hoping that these guys can can come out just f- shot out of a cannon and they really didn't do much on on saturday night that makes me worried the like like you i watched a lot of that coyotes game hmm. i guess the devils i thought they were really good uh they are playing monday night so hopefully yeah they they win and, and celebrate hard in in manhattan <laughs> after beating the rangers um who uh also the you know the rangers ended up winning uh they beat the sabers uh, and i i don't know if you saw, but it looked like they were skating around with the, the Stanley cup over their head uh, after that win, because <laughs> Alexis Lafreniere scored a goal yes. and you, you man, there's some serious news going on uh, in the world as there always is. But the way that people were talking about that goal mm. for Lafreniere, you would have thought somebody just made a, a Tutankhamen comments tombed like discovery somewhere don't you just
2: feel so good for him after the way people talked over the summer yeah just
1: a guy who's come from nothing yeah <laughs> undrafted toiled in the minors right real grinder type guy teammates yeah. seem to love him gets on the board with the first goal of the season so funny. we just we don't root for teams yeah except for the sabers uh but we do root (laughs) for people and we and you can't not root for a guy like alexis lafreniere who Mm. didn't have have two pennies to rub together a couple Mm. days ago and now is yeah the rangers first goal scorer of the season um yeah so hopefully the coyotes just take them to school uh, (laughs) and and party hard and the islanders
2: kick their ass on on tuesday and and Mm. do the same
1: uh over the weekend
2: yeah uh you know and this is a week where it's like you know you hope that the coyotes are coming in tired off a of back-to-back and then the islanders have a back-to-back so hopefully it yeah. doesn't work that way for them but uh you know like let's see what happens next week we'll be back next sunday uh this week we got delayed a day, a day. i was at a lovely wedding on sunday so we couldn't do do the episode then but uh, we'll be back next sunday and we'll talk about it And we'll see where they're at and you know if they're 3 and 1 or even 2 and 2 I think that that's probably pretty pretty okay uh cuz again these these games aren't aren't easy and the uh the coyotes in particular Melka very good like he's still very really good like he, that he's not just like a flash in the pan that guy can really he had he had a couple of crazy saves against in that against the devils in that game so uh you know we'll see it's not a gimme for sure but uh we uh we'll have to um hope for the best basically uh one guy who won't be playing in that game he wouldn't play for the islanders on saturday and he won't be playing for the islanders again Ross Johnston who after our last recording was placed on waivers which in and of itself was kind of a monumental deal this is a guy who's been with the club for seven years and most of it spent on the the main roster just not playing we talked about this uh a while back you know he's played 134 games in seven years it's not a lot it's less than 20 a season some He had a career high of 32 twice, and sometimes it was you know 12 or 16, uh, which was last season, but they needed to make room, and so they put him on waivers, and as if that wasn't surprising enough, he got claimed. He became an Anaheim Duck on Tuesday. Uh, Of course, the Ducks are now head coach. Their head coach is Greg Cronin, who was an Islanders assistant coach for a while. Their assistant coach is Brent Thompson, who knows Ross very well from, from Bridgeport and from the Islanders. So on one hand, it's surprising, but on the other hand, you're like, young team, you know, they, they've had some battles' Speaking of the coyotes, the ducks and coyotes have had a lot of battles out there a uh, couple, last couple of years. Uh, they have the connection there with the Islanders. They know what Ross is all about, And so I, it makes a lot of sense, uh, even though it's kind of surreal to know that Ross Johnston, after all this time, is not an islander anymore. And you know we're going to talk about his impact and what he means to the islanders, too, but make no mistake. The Anaheim Ducks did the Islanders an enormous favor <laughs> because he was making 1.1 million. I never had a problem personally with Ross making that much. I get why he's here, beloved by the players, and he brings certainly you know his personality to the team, and they loved having him around. But getting one million dollars off your books is no joke, and so that was a huge, huge favor the Ducks did for uh, the Islanders. And you know, hell, our, Ross has already played two games. He's got he's plus one. He's been averaging six minutes a game. Uh, so we'll see what happens for him out there. I think it could be a good situation for both, but man, it is weird not having Ross. Like even though he didn't be barely played, like just knowing he's not there is really weird, right? Like it's a very strange yeah. scenario to be like, wow, that's crazy. He's not there anymore. It is weird and and I watched uh the Ducks last night
1: against the yeah. Hurricanes and saw him get introduced in in their their new purple uh oh, jerseys cool. which yeah they were they were nice man i actually mm. liked those and then uh yeah it was it was so strange he played well he he could have had a couple assists if, if his teammates finished good chances and um the ducks beat the hurricanes and i don't know it felt like i was doing it for some closure because uh <laughs> yeah it was it was it was very surprising that he got put placed on waivers like you said and then more surprising that he got picked up and put to end one of the most fascinating careers that I think this era of the NHL. And Mm. I've said that a lot and I still think so when you consider the way hockey has played now and where things are going and um, the fact that the Islanders still kept him around to, to this very specific role. And he never, he, he signed two four year contracts Mm. as Desmond from the through the Island podcast calls him. He's a labor icon. (laughs) uh and i I wouldn't disagree with that notion at all um because man just guys guy made eight million or whatever he's made uh, from the islanders despite playing 20 under 20 games a season Mm. he will be missed in in a kind of presence way like it just his presence in the with the team um and I think that a lot of times when guys move on to new teams, we all say, Oh, we wish them all the best. But with Ross, it's there's, I don't (laughs) think there's a there's a, a person on the Island that isn't like, Oh no, I really hope that he like, he kills it. Like I I hope Ross Johnson ends up with like 10 goals and, and 12 assists (laughs) and plays 82 games with the Ducks and just has this great season and all the people that have made fun of the Islanders and, and him uh, over the years, have to eat some crow because he's like just becomes this effective player for the Ducks. Mm. But uh yeah, uh, it's definitely uh definitely going to be weird without him and and Bailey and uh somebody wrote in to our mailbag episode about it becoming seeming like the Islanders are becoming more of a meritocracy. Mm. And it does have that feel uh to it, yeah. so. But yeah. yeah, to we will like we talk about on um, weird Islanders all the time. Like we really appreciate everything that this guy did mm. uh, for this team. And uh, there's definitely some moments that will stick out. And for me, it's last year when he was just ragdolling two penguins at <laughs> once, Malkin <laughs> and Z- Jason Zucker. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think we have, you know, we, we have good memories of Ross. And like you said, we, we hope for the best for him. And, and another thing, I'm glad you brought up the, through the Island podcast. Cause I thought their, their discussion of it was pretty good. And, like they brought up the fact that um, what this means really is that there are players that, for lack of a better word, are going to be more useful day to day. Guys that we talked about in the, off the top Julian Gauthier, uh, Hudson Fashing, even Oliver Wallstrom. Like these are players that can help the Islanders win games, score, play defense. Ross had a role to be sure, but it's a role that didn't require him to basically play a ton during the regular season and now he's just gotten squeezed out and that's a good thing, you know, and and as as sad as it is to see a guy who's a legend in a way (laughs) uh, be cut from the team for the most part, uh, it is good overall that, you know, they're getting better to the point where they, you know, have guys that are chomping at the bit who, who have actual, you know, they have a stake in this that they can get in there and do something. I, I mean, to be honest, as, as satisfied as I was with Saturday's game, I'm in, interested in seeing what Gautier can bring to the lineup at some point. And obviously Wallstrom is still very much a work in progress. So uh, Ross, we salute you. We cannot wait for your return at alumni day. The pop is going to be enormous <laughs> and he uh, will be an Islander for life. That's for sure. And uh, we'll see. Ho- hopefully he doesn't like, you know, do the tour. I don't want to see him like on a different team every year, but uh, we'll see what happens. He's also playing with Ryan Strom, and uh, which is another guy he knows from the Islanders, I guess. Yeah, probably about right. So, uh, so yeah crazy that, you know, this podcast is eight years old and Ross was with the Islanders for seven years. (laughs) It's just very, very very strange. Uh, okay. Um, so we want to do a bit here, uh, that uh, also we kind of teased a little bit over at the Patreon. Uh, we did over the summer, some dramatic readings of Leafs articles and we had a lot of fun with it. People really liked it. I put some music in the background. And so we thought about making this kind of a semi recurring bit, and so I wanted to give it a name so that we can, you know, have it going forward and we can announce it properly. And so it came to me because Mike had an article he wanted to use, and so I wanted to think about a name. I came up with a name, and so this is going to be a thing. Now we're gonna not every episode, but you know, we're gonna try and work this in as many times as we can. So I welcome you to the first official episode of Master Leaf Theater. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Michael, this is your choice, so please set the scene for us for this first official episode of Master Leaf Theater. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, and it is a uh, the rising
1: star of the Toronto <laughs> media landscape. Our old friend Luke Fox Jukebox setting the stage for. Wouldn't you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs they had an opening night hockey game uh, last week. They are starting a new season believe it or not uh and he, and mr jukebox wrote <laughs> <laughs> mr., uh, mr jukebox wrote about uh how this team dan you won't believe this but luke fox jukebox believes that this maple leafs team feels just feels different that's unbelievable
2: i've never heard that before
1: yeah, no, it's crazy because I, all the last four or five years, these guys kept writing about how these teams feel the same. Every, <laughs> every, every article just about how this time is definitely the same. Um, aptly titled on Sportsnet.ca, Why These Toronto Maple Leafs Just Feel Different on Opening Night. Okay. <laughs> by, by Luke Fox, Jukebox. The final team practice before Wednesday's home opener has long wrapped up. Most of the Maple Leafs have shed their equipment and fulfilled their media responsibilities. Some have showered and left the building. Fraser Minton, the club's 19-year-old training camp shocker, is still sweating. He's still wearing his skates in a mostly vacant dressing room. Morgan Riley, the longest tenured leaf, pokes his head into the room and checks in on the shortest tenured one. You just come off the sheet? Riley asks the kid. (laughs) <laughs> the, the defenseman waits a beat then flashes a wry smile you really love the game don't you the, the, running, back, the running back Maple Leafs needed this Minton and the other hockey loving fresh faces orbiting Riley in the familiar core for, forwards this October certainly we won't know if, until May if all the offseason tinkering with the fringes of the Shana plan will yield what has eluded the skilled nucleus for seven years running a deep playoff run. What we do know is that the feeling, in italics, around the group is refreshingly lighter than it was this time a year ago. A notch more relaxed, but just as focused. Now we have a few ideas why that is the case. First off, winning is sports surefire solve. Sure, it was only one playoff series, but the Leafs players proved something to themselves on the war- that warp night in Tampa where they threw that nagging, went around monkey off their back. In the moment, it was a great feeling for our group, Riley says. I mean, ultimately, it still ends with losing. Yeah. Uh, But to have the chance to prove to ourselves that we are able to win a round. Win a round. And we are able to persevere through adversity and win some close games, come back late, all the rest of it, I think it's a good sign. Another good sign is that all of Toronto's collective scar tissue has had a bonding effect, stealing the core's determination. They may only be at base camp but they can at least see a path to what Austin Matthews refers to as the mountaintop. Injuries, crummy road trips, and bad calls are treated as minor ripples. The rudder is steadier. There's been some maturity in there for sure, as they've gained more and more experience, but also more and more disappointments or failures, (laughs) head coach Sheldon Keith says. Yet, you've obviously found a way to win a playoff round last year, and I think you grow a lot inside of that. The coach. Flipping from the joy to Tam- in Tampa to the second round dismantling by Florida. You grow a lot when the next round comes around and before you know it, you're out again. So I think our guys are very motivated, very focused. Captain John Tavares says the page turned quickly when Kyle Dubas was fired and replaced by the quote, tremendous, unquote, Brad Tree Living. <laughs> Parentheses, not that Tavares doesn't think of Dubas <laughs> as tremendous as well.
0: <laughs>
1: oh my I don't, I don't even
2: God. know like uh, she
1: going, it's pretty good. But no, I, I, think, I think that is the
2: yeah. best way to, to end it right to, there. You had to end it right there, and that is our first official episode of Master Leaf Theater. You did? You just come off the sheet yet? As read by Michael e. Levo.
1: Not that Tavares doesn't take of two, but it's just tremendous Oh my God. as well. Just Yeah. So this that, that 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 opening lead you know those like um children's books, <laughs> yeah. Casey at Bat. Uh there's one about hockey like Goodnight Hockey. That's what it reads like. It reads like Luke Fox Jukebox is writing fr- the Fraser Minton version of Casey at just... Bat. You really love the game,
2: don't you? And and a reminder in case you missed it earlier, this was after game one. <laughs> no, this was before Game Wait, 1. Wait, this is before Game 1. <laughs> so, Fraser
1: Minton hadn't even
2: played a... He played a terrible game, too. I watched that whole game. He was brutal. He's not going to stick with the club. I made a joke on Blue Sky. Now, I'm I'm trying to transition over to Blue Sky and stay off of Twitter. And I made a joke that... Because there was, like, this whole media throng around Fraser Minton, this 19-year-old kid. And I joked that the Leafs wanted their own Bedard, so they chose this guy, Right. And I had pushback from a couple of Leafs fans being like, wow, you know, it's not every day that a 19-year-old makes the NHL. And somebody's like, no, they have their own Bedard. He's number. <laughs> he wears number 34. Guys, shut up. We can't even joke about this team anymore. On Blue Sky, on Blue- there is no sports presence on Blue Sky whatsoever. But these guys somehow found my tweet. I guess one of them follows me. Why you're following me, I don't know. I hate you and your team. But anyway, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. But I'm glad to hear that he was terrible because then maybe he'll disappear, but it's just, this is before game one. And this is what we were just talking about. Like, can we just wait maybe? And then sort of wax poetic about we're waxing poetic about stuff that hasn't happened yet. Like what, <laughs> this is fan fiction as you've been right. calling it. Yeah. It's fan unbelievable. Fiction. And and the best part
1: about this is that we, we, we have a new wrinkle to the, to the whole, uh, I don't know.
0: Hmm.
1: Maple Leafs universe, media universe. Here is uh, our friends over at the Athletic made the astute, shrewd yes. a tidy, a tidy piece of business. If I do say so
2: myself. Yes. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, just what they, thank God, just what they needed. Yeah. I, I mean, Chris Chris Johnston coming in to, to give the underserved right. Toronto Maple Leafs subscribers
2: a uh, yeah a voice. There definitely wasn't enough sort of leaf centric guys. So they needed to bring in a head writer to wrangle all these leafs people and get them writing more about the leafs, I think. So Chris Johnson is now there, uh, whether or not he's getting paid in Bitcoin. We don't know. Somebody did ask in the comments, which is very funny, but yeah, I, I just, there are. So is this like 10 now? Is this nine people? And the funny thing is they'll say like, Oh, well, you know, we're not all covering the leaps. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you are. Like you're, we know what team you're covering. Like we're not, you know, you guys aren't writing feature articles about the Dallas Stars or the St. Louis Blues, right? You're there to write articles about the Leafs. So I just love how the half of this league, half of the league, has no writers, but this one team gets like nine or ten, and they'll tell you, oh, it's because of the traffic. Okay, it's because of the traffic. Well, have you tried getting traffic for somebody else? Maybe then, maybe they're just waiting for the the roads to open up. You know what I'm saying? So. I don't know. It's too funny. But
1: oh, yeah. But yeah. I mean that that's the this the fanfic <laughs> NHL fanfic center of the universe is yeah. is the athletic and and they get the uh I don't want to I think Luke Fox Luke Fox is is has really established himself as yeah. the uh the
2: JRR R. Tolkien of this <laughs> Well, I was going to say when we start Maple Leaf Theater like this is or sorry, Master Leaf Theater. You have to start with Luke Fox Jukebox. He's like the William yeah. Shakespeare of this. So you think of Masterpiece yeah. Theater, you think of these like great costume dramas, you know, the the Downton Abbeys, <laughs> that sort of thing. This is his wheelhouse right here. Like yeah. this is his thing. So he's so good uh, at <laughs> at this his very
1: useful skill of yeah. writing about the Toronto Maple Leafs as if yeah. he's writing a children's book for his for, for his other Leaf writers.
2: He, he's his skill is taking the most mundane interaction or event with the Maple Leafs and turning it into a prestige children's book, basically yeah. okay. like a leather-bound hardcover <laughs> children's book for other Leafs fans and other sports writers, like you said. But but again, yeah. the, the the actual content of it is nothing. It's two guys on the same team being like, "Oh, you you're heading out." Like that's it. are you done yeah yeah i'm I'm heading out i'm gonna go grab a coffee all right that's cool
1: yeah i can't wait to i can't wait for for fraser minton to drink his first
2: coffee with the boys (laughs) well listen if one guy's gonna find out what his order is it will be luke fox jukebox but uh also shout out to uh bud Lightlyman who had a great uh tweet today about the sort of lineup of the leafs I'll, i'll attach it here it was like first line was like james myrtle dom and chris johnston and then uh a few other guys all in there i we forgot mark masters though mark masters to be third line center luke fox jukebox second line center mark masters is the tsn leaps guy uh but uh it was great stuff so yeah so we will make that a recurring bit uh as as we see it uh you know because uh, there's just too much there's too much to mine there's too much content there that we can't not we can't, we can't let it go it's crazy so. no it's yeah <laughs> I, this, the first the first the
1: six little six paragraph lead is just i i how right we say it a lot but how the i really hope that they, they just have like their copy editors at sports center are just like the pros i I work with a lot of great editors in, in my uh in my job and and some of them are they're just pros like mm. they're not this is a job they're not they like their sports themes right. you know is a my editor a couple of years ago was just a, a big green Bay Packers fan. Mm. Like he would read my stuff. He'd, we'd, we'd share a laugh, but he didn't care about the NHL or soccer or anything. He just was Packers guy. And mm. that was it. Yeah. Like, I really hope that these people are like, what on earth? <laughs> you got to see what this Luke Fox guy just sent me here at the, yeah. the, the, mm. the news desk. Cause I'm, I mean, this guy's nineteen years old. I hope that his he's like shows his parents this, and his parents are saying like, just steer clear
2: of this dude. Yeah. I mean, because it's Sportsnet, I would assume that they're all Leafs fans, but yeah, maybe so his true. editor is the one who isn't. Maybe he's like the Raptors person, you know? And it's like I don't care about any of this, but it's just uh, it, it's funny. And again, we re- we reiterate what we always say when we do these things: go find another team in any other sport that gets this type of treatment, like you know. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't think they were writing this stuff about the Patriots when they were winning Super Bowls every year. Like, it's just, they're definitely not writing stuff about the Patriots like that now. But, you know, it's, uh, I don't think, I don't remember back then. Tom Brady
1: or or Wes Welker, one of them read this. Yeah. They'd call Robert Kraft and say, hey, just get this guy's credentials taken away, please.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember any articles about, you know, Brady poking his head into the Fox, the Foxboro locker room and asking, you know, Corey Dillon. Yo, man, did you just come off the field? Like <laughs> you, just come, you just come off the feathers? What like yeah. the sheet? You just <laughs> come sheet. off the
1: sheet, man. The sheet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or well, the
1: uh the, the gra I don't know. Whatever. I but- really want to know if this actually happened or not. I-, I could totally see
2: it just being completely made up. I'm sure it did happen, but I'm sure if you asked both Morgan Riley and Fraser Minton, they'd be like, I don't know, did it? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I no, see these guys every yeah, day. He, he like, yeah,
1: he's my know. ride home. Like right. I'm nineteen, just yeah. getting adjusted to a new yeah. city. I, I need to wait for this. this yeah. I need to wait for this kid so yeah. I can drive him home.
2: I like, mean, um, my favorite part is is the 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 huge massive ending that you included, which is that we have to establish that John Tavares didn't yeah. hate yeah. Kyle Dubas. <laughs> yeah. But he does think that Bradford Living is tremendous. That's the other Psychotic thing. Psychotic stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they, the way they've, they've been talking about, I'm sure we'll get the Tyler Bertuzzi yes. uh, dramatic reading in, in, in Master Leaf Theater eventually because the way they're writing about this guy, this barbarian playing hockey, <laughs> just wanted, I just want to remind them that this guy's been in the league for I think wow. a decade now. Hmm. You got to see this guy's hair. He's only hmm. got one tooth. He doesn't care about his stick at all. He, he plays like a maniac. <laughs>
2: Yeah, right. he well, does. I mean, we saw that he, he's been in the league, but if he didn't play for the Leafs, it, it didn't mess. So, yeah, exactly. There you go. All right. I think we, we've done enough. We've covered enough here. We'll be back again with another Master Leaf Theater at some point. Uh, but thank you all so much for listening. Like I said, we'll be back at our regular time next Sunday uh, and we'll cover the uh, three games this week. Make sure to sign up at patreon.com slash Islanders Anxiety for ad-free episodes and bonus content. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Isles Anxiety Pod. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and at Spotify. You can leave us reviews on Spotify now, too. Our theme song is Morning Haze by Family Dinner. Check out more of their music on Bandcamp and on Spotify. read Lighthouse Hockey every single day if you most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, Islanders Anxiety Podcasts are part of the Fans First Sports Network. To Find out more at fansfirstsports.com. Shop vintageicehockey.com. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Michael Eboff, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh the Big Lee Basket with two E's. Read and listen to Mike's work at Action Network. Any final thoughts on the game that was or the games that are coming up? It's it's good. It's good that we have like games now to talk about.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I, I like I said, it just it felt uh they they hit all the they hit all the right islanders notes on on game one. So you can it, the fear is that it, it can only go in one direction from <laughs> from right now. But uh, I'm trying my best to just take what I mm. saw on, on uh, Saturday night and, and think of it as a as a building block in the right direction, and 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 just be excited that that they looked good and and this we all think that this team can be better than everybody else thinks that they can be. Um, so they they showed that in in game one and. Uh, hopefully they they just continue to do it and it's just so nice to have Brock Nelson back scoring goals yes after 5 months of not having Brock
2: Nelson <laughs> scoring goals in our life could be a huge year for him i'd love to see it and uh because we we will see it and you'll never hear about it from anybody else but true <laughs> words <laughs> could be a big year for Brock uh and it's going to be a big year for us thank you again for listening and we'll be back again next week all right take care bye bye